0: You're visiting The Mom Next Door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Well, you've found The Mom Next Door's stories of faith, and I'm your host, Pam Fields. Have you ever been stuck... I'm not talking about a flat tire or stranded. I mean the kind of stuck where your emotions feel jammed up, your stress level can't be contained, and your mind just won't be calm. You know that something has to give, but you're so worked up that you can't figure it out on your own. As believers, our first place to go is scripture and prayer. I totally agree. But I understand there's also times when we need a little in-person care as well to help us process and point us to the Lord and his word. Now, depending on the era you were raised in and maybe your community and circumstances in which you live, we've received the words counseling or therapist in a variety of ways. Elisa's kiddos and mine are in some classes together, and as we were talking the other day, we realized what a good topic this would actually be. So welcome to the podcast, Elisa. Tell me all about those fancy pieces of paper you have on the wall, and then I want to kick it off by asking you, is there a difference between a counselor and a therapist?
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, fancy pieces of pe- paper on the wall. It's just a lot of education and a lot of steps and hoops to jump through to, to mean that I'm doing my best to help people and that I'm regulated by some governing body other than myself. Uh, so, you know, to be a psychotherapist in most of the country, you have to have a four-year degree in an undergraduate science. So generally sociology, psychology, something like that. And then you need a master's degree, which is two to four years. In an art similar in mental health counseling. And that gives you just lots of resources on people, about understanding how people work, the processes that they use. Then you need 3,000 hours after graduation of one-on-one time with people in order in about 300 hours of supervision um, in order to get your license. And so that's the other piece of paper on the wall. And all of that is just in order to protect people, right? We don't just want anyone going out and giving advice, even though therapists don't give advice, um, or, you know, or coaching people without any sort of credentialing or expertise. It's the way that our, our federal government and state government protects its citizens. Uh, And to answer your question, is there a difference between a counselor and therapist? No, not really. Okay. Uh, Therapist is the clinical term. So to say that you're a therapist, it's the short version of the word psychotherapist. Um, and therapy, actually, I love this, so I want to share it with you. Therapy has its roots in thera, meaning uh, heal, to minister to, to heal. And psycho is the it's the Greek word, and I think the Hebrew word as well is, is written in there. Maybe it's Aramaic, But it means the soul, the breath, and the mind. Oh. So psychotherapist is to minister to the soul the breath and the mind, which I just love that meaning. Right. And that's what a counselor is as well. Counselors are more, um, maybe we would say an easier term or a more familiar term and therapist is more clinical. So it kind of just depends on what audience you're speaking to, but we could say we have a pastoral counselor. A friend might be a counselor, but wouldn't be a psychotherapist. Right. Okay. But a psychotherapist is a counselor and a psychotherapist. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes in my mind, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm a very visual person. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, is Christmas where we say the Lord, um, you know, Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing where I'm like, he's a wonderful counselor. Mm -hmm. And then if, when you break it down like that, breathing into all those parts, Mm -hmm. like the Lord is our wonderful counselor. He breathes into our life in Mm -hmm. all of those ways in our places. What a beautiful thing. I actually would like to write it down on a piece of paper because I want to look at that a little bit more and, and really soak that in because Mm -hmm. I think again, he's the best place to go to when we have trouble, but also people like you Mm -hmm. are are another great resource, but you have some bad PR in your history, right? (laughs) I mean, not you personally, but in the church, growing up in the church, now I only started in the church when I was 15, but, you know, I, I am aware that there is this stigma, but yet, I remember hearing so many times like the cautions of going to a counselor. And then here where I'm doing all these interviews with women who a lot of them have gone through some really traumatic events. And, um, you know, as I peel away their stories and ask them questions, so often the word counselor comes up and something that has really helped them is working with the counselor. So if we just start with the like 101 here, Tell me what I need to know and why there is this resistance and and all that. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So I think, I mean, I totally agree that the Lord is the, the first place to go. When I'm seeking answers, that's the first place I go too. However, the Lord has empowered people to do his work, correct? Yeah. You know, we don't say that missionaries don't have a job because the Lord's doing that work. We don't say that doctors don't have a job because the Lord's doing that work, right? We all have different strengths and some of us have been empowered with the strength to to minister to people in this very specific way. Now, don't come to me if your leg's broken. I'm not going to be very much help, right? And I'm probably not great at, at finding... Um, resources for someone who needs help with their accountant right or accounting that's not the way the lord's empowered me but through my own experiences and through my own life the lord has empowered me to to really be able to show up and let and support people where they are and to listen and to guide in a way that's not directing or pulling in any direction and i think at the core that's what therapy is therapy is someone that sits alongside you Uh, it's someone who's got your back and is on your side. And so much in, our, in this world, it feels like we don't have those people. And that person doesn't have an agenda. And ideally, they would be objective, which means that they have systems that work regardless of their own personal beliefs, right? And so at its core, that's what therapy is. It's a person that's going to listen to you, walk through you through hard times, help you reset and see the world in a little different way. And oftentimes, which is my favorite part, find patterns of behavior that are leading you into The destructive or negative thoughts that that you're having. But about the stigma, for sure, like that's a it's a major thing. And I think the resistance is that that will be led astray, or that those people aren't
0: they're not looking out for our best interest and, and things like that. Would you agree? Yeah, and I was also thinking about the idea. We've heard about chiropractors and we hear heard about counselors. Once you start going, you'll never stop going, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. But your goal is actually to work yourself out of a job.
1: A hundred percent. I say that often. I'd love to be a barista or a gardener uh, full-time. Yeah, so I think that it depends on the modality in which you're using it for. So some people choose to use psychotherapy or counseling as a friend as a person that's always there for them and in their side and objective and there's nothing wrong with that or bad with that the way i practice is a little different my goal is that we work through the issues that you're presenting with and then kind of set you free to go live life and if something else comes up and you get stuck again then we just you know it's a little push to get those tires out of that rut And then you move on again, right? Mm -hmm. But there are different modalities and different practices. And so we do have to use our discernment whenever we're picking a a counselor. And we need to know, I think it's really important that we know why we're coming to therapy and we have a goal so that we know when that goal's met and we can reassess if this is something we want to continue with or
0: not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had you on here one other time and we talked about motivation for children. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about that there too, is that we manage things so much in the um, physical realm as far as like, you know, things we can touch, Mm -hmm. right? Tangible items. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what our goals would be If we don't have something tangible, even there, that's kind of a challenge. It's so tough, right? And I think that that's probably the biggest resistance
1: and what keeps people in therapy for a long period of time is that we're kind of dancing all around issues. And we don't really know what we're here for. And we don't really know what we want to see out of that. And so it's really easy then to say, it doesn't work or I couldn't get what I wanted out of it. But if you don't know what you want, you can't get what you want out of it. I actually have developed a course for this. It's called Before You Begin. And it's on my website. So the goal of that is just to cut down on therapy visits, right? Because Mm. so many times people feel like they need help, but they don't know where they need help. Mm -hmm. And so then we have this process that takes several hours of like, sort of filtering through information and trying to figure out is it here is it there mm. what's what's the actual route mm. and if you do the course the goal would be that you complete that and you save yourself six hours of time with me by doing six hours of time through the course um, at a substantially cheaper rate and and we're saving time for everyone uh and that way when you get here we can do that issue work with that in five to seven sessions and move on right but that's the way I practice and not every modality is the same. And so it's really important to know if that's what you're looking for, that you have that set when you go in. And if you actually do just want someone to vent to, then, then maybe you're looking for someone with a different approach. We would call that like humanism, um, who's someone who just really is like going to sit side by side with you listen to what you have to say, really be validating and encouraging. And that does work. It just takes a lot longer and it's kind of hard to quit. Everyone likes someone who's going to say, yeah, you're right. That feels really good. That's good. Keep going
0: that way. Right. That's not really my style. So. Mm. I also think about the word wise counsel and seeking wise counsel, you know, and Mm -hmm. and tickling of our ears and that, cause that kind of seems like it's somebody who's just tickling my ears. Just, I want to keep telling you all the things and you just keep telling me how wonderful I am and all the, all the things that, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but the truth is, is we need growth and, um, no matter where we are, there's areas where we can grow. Absolutely. I, I found that in my parenting, my marriage, my you know, relationships with friends, there's always room to grow. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we experience different things, different things come across our path, and then we have to deal with them. Could you define the word trauma for me? Because I think trauma is one of these things where um, it, it comes out of nowhere. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, I think that kind of wraps up to what you were saying earlier when we think, okay, we should take everything to the Lord and we absolutely can. The problem is trauma keeps us from taking things to the Lord, right? Mm. Uh, Trauma in in our societal culture generally means something bad that happened to you something and we think about it as like abuse or violence or an an extreme death or a natural disaster right and so for some people unfortunately those things are are realities but for most people trauma is actually anything that causes you to feel unloved and unworthy of your of your position as a child of god right and there's not a single person that I've ever encountered that doesn't have trauma. If you feel unworthy in your position as a child of God, you're not going to take that issue to God because you don't feel like you can, right? And I wish that we were more able to just overlook that and say that this is this thing and, it, and it's blocking me. But unfortunately, most of those things happen when we're so fragile that we don't even realize that they're there. We don't even realize that that's the way we're thinking and that's the way we're seeing. So... You know, I think that those things actually have more bearing on our lives than the big things. I say often to my clients, if you were to walk out of my door and get hit by a car, you would probably be very cautious walking out of the door. And and maybe you'd look out for cars, but after a hundred times of walking out of the door, you would start to anticipate that that was a fluke. But if every single time you walk out of the door, you stumble, well, you're going to eventually begin to walk a little differently, right? It's not as dramatic as being hit by a car, but it affects you in the long term in a way that's just so subtle that oftentimes it's hard to say like, oh, here's this thing that I need to pull out. Here's this issue. I stumbled, and now I think that this is the way
0: that my life has to run. This is reality, right? But you're going to start to adjust your path. You're going to change the way you do things, Mm -hmm. maybe schedule at a different whatever because you anticipate that.
1: Absolutely. Your whole experience of being shifts. Your physical actions change. The way your thoughts work around those situations change. Your perceptions change. Your emotions change. And then finding the root of that on our own is actually incredibly difficult. You need another person to be like, oh, I see this. I see this. wait, that doesn't line up. That's not true. And then it's fairly simple to remove at that point.
0: Hmm. Well the mom next door stories of faith we talk a lot about our faith stories obviously mm-hmm. right the things that that often shake us up and have us like reevaluating and and trying to understand the lord more asking him questions and going to him and i think that trauma is one of those things that often does oh i don't know the word um i think trauma is often one of those things that is a little shake up Mm -hmm. in our faith shock yeah and so that's one of the reasons I wanted you to come chat is because I think we should recognize that you know how those things go together Mm -hmm. so I was just reading in my bible study this morning and it was talking about suffering and if we've never suffered we might never know the life-giving depths of true dependence on him I thought that was so good and then um When we walk through a valley and experience God as our shepherd, we emerge equipped and ready to proclaim what he's done for us. And I think that these trauma issues, these life issues, um, we can't stay stuck in them. That we need to learn to process them and understand them further Mm -hmm. so that we can give God glory as we've walked through and then we can reach a hand back and share with somebody else or put an arm around a sister who's walking through a situation. Because just as you said, there is no one that is not touched mm-hmm. by some issue. Mm-hmm.
1: Some exactly. Trauma. Exactly. You know, and I think that that's a, it's a really good point through trauma, because when we think of things that happen, you know in our recent lives like in our adult lives we can often those traumatic things we can point back to the lord and we can say hey i saw you here and now i know this thing about you right and it's really often like you said the shock the thing that we need to like put us on our path straighten us out help us to like see him in a different way or or surrender something that we've been holding on to really tightly that's happened to me a lot but in our in our younger lives it's a lot harder to do that, right? Because again, we've built our whole lives around that thing when Mm -hmm. we're smaller and and our Mm -hmm. brains are formed by the time we're seven. But one of the most beautiful things that I see in my practice is once we go back, we find those things and we speak and he'll speak truth and life into that youngest traumatic memory we process through it. That person now actually sees God in a way that's individual and unique to them that, that no one else can see. It's this like unveiling of his presence in a new way. And that shifts your life dramatically. It is phenomenal to get to witness. It's my very, very favorite part of my job is when someone sees God in a more complete and whole way that they never could have seen uh, otherwise, you know, because they they weren't able to come to this realization that, that, that this bad thing that happened to them, that they formed their whole identity upon was actually not true. And God had a whole nother, generally 180 degree opposite view of the situation. And that's what he calls us. And so, you know, it's hard
0: to kind of talk abstractly about, but it's a really beautiful thing. So another way to say that, I think, is we do not know what we do not know because we do not know it, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, we, we grow up thinking, I think even culturally, we've moved from the West Coast of the United States to the... What what are we southeast here? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's culturally like there's things that are done here that I just didn't realize were done because that's not the way I grew up, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, as we start to to look at things from a different perspective, we realize, oh, I've been seeing it through this one you know view for so long mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize there was another way, mm-hmm. right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, a life-giving way, an empowering way, and then we can we can shine,
0: right, mm-hmm. right.
1: So we've covered a little bit about what therapy is not, um, and and what are what we want therapists to do. I think it's also important to realize that you know a good therapist, and this is my my take on it from being in the in the field for several years. Um, A good therapist is not trying to diagnose you. A good therapist is not trying to tell you that you're broken or sick. A good therapist is not trying to blame other people. A good therapist is really here just to help you and and to help you move to the next level of your life in a way that's more empowering and more abundant. And so I think a lot of the resistance that people have to therapy is often about fear that something's going to be called out or something's going to be made up or somebody's going to get medicine. And... Therapy is not about any of those things, mm-hmm. right? We've mm-hmm. seen a lot of things in TVs and movies. And in the 90s, 80s, early 2000s, there were some really big controversies around that. Um, and I think that we have to use our discernment when we go into the therapeutic mm-hmm. process, when we're mm-hmm. looking for someone. But in general, a therapist wants to walk alongside you and empower you and is mm-hmm. not looking to empower themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, utilizing your discernment and, and knowing that in general, the whole way that we're trained is based that people are well they're not sick. They're whole. They're not broken. And so when we look at it that way, we're always looking to make them to to help them feel to feel complete, to help them feel whole and not in order to find other ways to shatter them and empower ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. In general, we're not looking for repeat customers. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it can't be
1: done through you and through your strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about empowering and allowing God to speak through us and, and to our clients and not necessarily about this is what I want and this is how I experience it and this is what I want you to get from it.
0: That's, it's not about us. Well, I always have thought that a friend is good enough. You know, I've always thought if I'm working through something, I just need a really good friend. And I've always wanted to be that good friend because I don't want my friend to have to go to counseling. I don't want them to have to pay for therapy. And so I've kind of always struggled with thinking through it like that, like, oh, if you have to go to therapy, it means you don't have a friend. Mm. and it, Or it means like I have even failed as your friend. And now I've put you in, in this place where you have to seek a professional. Mm-hmm. But I think that as a professional, you maybe have some better skills than I do. You know, as much as sure. I want to perform the ministry of the fuzzy socks and the casserole mm-hmm. and, and come alongside you, there are some things that you are equipped for in a different way than I am.
1: Absolutely. And I think that there are, there's never going to be a time where a good friend's not useful, right? However, we have to have boundaries in our lives and a friend can't always be available. That's mm. just not realistic. No matter how hard we try, we can't rescue someone out of their things. Um And a casserole is is like good enough sometimes and a fuzzy socks and let me watch your kids for a few hours. That's good enough, but that doesn't really solve those root issues. Mm. And a really interesting thing that I find often is that we have friends, we are friends with people who are like us, Mm. right? So they generally are wearing the same blinders you are.
0: So they're not
1: going to be able to see your issues because they have the same issues, right? Right. And so, like maybe you're you're a little bit too passive, and maybe you're 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 not standing up for yourself or or really asserting the delineation between you and another person. Well, if your friend is doing the same thing, she's going to say you're doing everything exactly right. There's no problem, and the issue continues. Oh, that's really exacerbates, right? And so I think that. And that's the difference, you know, I want to be considered a friend or a peer. However, when I sit in this room, all of my issues and, and to be a therapist, you have to go through extensive therapy, right? So the things that bother me, I have cleared. I have let go of so that when I sit down with you, I am not thinking about myself any longer. She's Mm -hmm. left the building Mm -hmm. and now I'm solely listening to the Lord speak, Mm -hmm. solely watching your behavior, solely listening to your story and Mm -hmm. looking for those patterns so that I can see like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's the thing Mm -hmm. instead of being like, well, I do that. So we're probably all fine. Right. And so that's why it can't be a friend. It is specifically about you. And not about what am I going to get out of this or or how can I relate to this?
0: Yeah. And as much as we love our friends, I actually can see this happening in my own life is when when a friend gives me certain instruction, I also am evaluating their ability in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what she says, but does she really know what she's talking about? Like, really, do I need to listen to her? Right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Right. Like,
1: because, and and that's the the distance in the therapeutic relationship is generally yeah. like those people aren't watching me live out my life. Right. Right. My friends are not my my clients that would be weird that yeah. you know yeah. because none of us are perfect none of us have everything figured out but we're going to we're going to doubt people then we get to watch their entire lives play out in front of us yeah right?
0: yeah and what you said about like to like really makes a lot of sense in this other regards my husband and I went to a marriage class this year and and it really worked us through like the different perspectives we had for things and 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 one of the um, terminologies they always used is that you had to stay in your circle. And they had this hula hoop that they brought out. And as we were doing all these questions in this class, we had to reply for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we had to make statements about ourselves, not about our Mm -hmm. spouse, right? And when we were doing our homework, I would tell my husband, I have no idea what my, you know, like, I don't see myself. You mm-hmm. have to tell me. And he's like, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to yes. tell you. You have to. And I was like, but I, I, I'm so used to me being me that I don't even see my, my areas, you know, like tripping on the sidewalk over and over mm-hmm. again. And so sometimes I do need somebody to speak that into me because it has become so habit for me Mm -hmm. to be me, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, I will put a link in the show notes because that marriage class that we went to, I was able to interview the people who ran that. And that was a super great interview about marriage. And so if you're looking for some enrichment, encouragement in that, I will link that in the show notes. I can't remember the episode number or title at the moment, but it will be there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you make a very good point.
1: And oftentimes, as women, especially in the Christian community, we spend a whole lot of time looking at other people, mm-hmm. um, and and are taught that that's good to be selfless and to be consumed with other people. However, that often means that we're very not self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. And we we think we know what everyone else thinks, but if you ask us what we think, we're not really sure what the mm-hmm. answer is. And and the good thing about therapy is you have to do it by yourself. <laughs> like, You don't get to come in and work on other people. You have to focus on you, right? And when we focus on us and the light shines on those places, then we can be like, oh, well, that is actually a sore spot or I'm really strong here. I'm doing, this is a strength I have. I'm going to, I'm going to capitalize on that. Are we a generation that's more introspective than past ones? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're more introspective. And, And I think we talked about this in the last time I was here, but because we have this ability to not only focus on our survival we get to focus a level deeper and that causes us to think about wonder why this is happening or what are the themes i see here and not to say that our our grandparents or great-grandparents or parents were doing anything wrong but when your focus is on feeding your family and that's as far as you can go then that's as far as you can go and that is good and edifying But once that issue has been removed from the table or keeping your family safe, then we get to go a little bit higher and we start to look into other things that are more important like safety and security or or stability or love or growth. Those are things that come when the foundations of our needs, psychological concept called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. You can Google it. It's really cool. You should look it up. Um, But if those bottom things aren't met, then you're not going to be able to to move into the top higher issues, and that's a generational thing. And mm-hmm. so, I always say it's really important to have gratitude for the the previous generations that couldn't be introspective because they laid those foundations for us, so that we can actually grow ourselves while mm-hmm. we're here on Earth in a different way. Mm,
0: that's smart to have gratitude towards them and not see them in contempt. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't think, you know, through, if our forefathers had really thought through these emotional thoughts, then our lives will be different. Mm-hmm. Like the groundwork that they were doing brought us to a place where we can have the freedom to, to go and, and understand this a little bit better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm picturing the old quilting bees, you know, mm. because that was a different way too where mm-hmm. they were functionally the women just lived life different then, mm-hmm. right? The ladies were sitting, they were canning together, they were out doing gardening together, and even generationally, like if you weren't out there with your neighbor, then you would be out there with your children mm-hmm. doing things. And I I would wonder how that plays into how we worked through problems, mm-hmm. you know? I think
1: life was more communal then, and we do live in a more individualized society now. And, you know, I don't know that that's good or bad, or, and I'm not one to take judgment on things like that that I well, don't and understand. we can't change it, right? Right. We, we
0: can't go, well, you know, this isn't working. They lived in more community then, therefore, we're right. all going to live like that. We don't want to live like that. Right. Right. But
1: communal, and in a communal uh, environment, you are forced to face issues with people, um, which is interesting. It brings us into another topic, which is about like family therapy, which is the closest we can get to communal living now, right? And, and so you're forced to kind of work through issues. And I am a big component or proponent. I'm not a component, but I'm pro- <laughs> a proponent of... Uh, of really allowing our families
0: to be that
1: yeah. healing
0: atmosphere. Yeah, because we're with them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so this we were not planning on talking homeschooling at all. But, you know, like even that, yes, is that we see a difference. Like if our children were gone at school all day, we could probably just let a lot of things slide in the evenings <laughs> because we don't have to deal with it all day long. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, if, if we are in situations like if there's somebody at my workplace who annoys me, I can put up with it for a couple hours because I'm going to go home and be in my solace at home. Right. And then if I am going to be at at school, if my children are at school, they can go work through that, have their school friends, and then they can come home and they can relax. Our home is our castle. Mm -hmm. But when you're living with your family day in and day out. Now, if you homeschool, you're with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And even if they're, if you're not with them all the time, you've got summer breaks. You know, Mm -hmm. if your kids are in school, you've got summer breaks and you've got weekends. And so I was thinking about this home as a castle and I'm thinking the castle analogy sounds so wonderful. Our home is our castle. And then I'm picturing the jesters that uh, <laughs> reside in my home. And then in a castle, there's also cooks and there's a guard and there's a gardener. And there's all these different personalities that reside in our home and at our castle. And we have to learn to live life with them. Mm-hmm. And there's challenges there. And that gets
1: tough. And I think this really is tough. You know, when we're talking about the throwback to the old time quilting bees, like that's all they knew, right? Therapy wasn't a thing. Psychotherapy didn't become a a real thing. Counselors were a thing. You know, they have been for a very long time. But psychotherapy in in a clinical sense wasn't a thing until the 50s. And so, um, or only for really, really sick people then. It wasn't a, a common issue. But the community was the basis, right? So you had to learn to figure this out. And I really saw an example of this with my own children when I started homeschooling. They had been in public school and once they we brought them home, I felt like they were fighting constantly mm-hmm. and they'd never fought before. So it took some reflection and I realized like through the school day, they'd never learned problem solving skills. They learned mm-hmm. how to tolerate and ignore behaviors that they didn't like. And that wasn't doing them any favors because mm-hmm. in the world... That's not really what we're called to do, tolerate and ignore, right? That there is some truth that has to be spoken. Some negotiations have to happen. And so it was a wonderful opportunity for us to be like, okay, here's something that I didn't teach you that I need to teach you. Well, most of us were raised in that individual atmosphere that are alive now. Most oh, yeah. of us haven't been raised in that communal environment. And I'm hoping that we can have some sort of integration of the both in in the future so that we have a little bit of, of of the good side of both of them. But because of that, we don't actually have the skills to teach our kids. We don't have the problem solving skills because we never learned them. And so then we're in this home and we're like, okay, I see a problem, not
0: sure what to do about it. So true, that is so true. You know, and I would be like, um, when I watch it it's even for me, I watch my little boys tangle, right? Mm-hmm. They're wrestling and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And I go to my husband, I'm like, I wasn't a little boy who knew you know how pretty soon it's fine for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And then there comes this point where mm-hmm. somebody gets hurt and somebody's angry mm-hmm. and I didn't live through that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how to handle it. And I have to learn the skills and somebody needs to teach me those skills. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think therapy is good for.
1: It's good for that. And, and so when we're talking about family therapy, there are, there are things that come up like marriage therapy or doing a therapy, um, where, where the whole family is involved and those things are really good. The goal always though, and it's, I would assume most of your listeners are moms. Um, Most of them, I would say. Yeah, okay to any dads that are out there, but most of them are moms. And so as moms, we carry that brunt, right? We're always the ones that are like looking at the emotional life force in our home, Mm -hmm. kind of taking the emotional mental uh, temperature and often the spiritual temperature of our home as well, because that's just what we're made for, right? To protect and soothe and nurture that environment. And so- the most important thing we can do is make sure we're protecting soothing and nurturing ourselves. And so, one of the things I love about family therapies and especially doing your own work is that we then get to see how that's playing out in relation to the jesters and the guards and the cooks and the gardeners we get to see if that works actually working because you know when you're sitting in my office it's really easy to say the right things to me and and understand it and practice it and it may be true when you go home and your husband forgot to feed your kids for four hours and there's crayon on the wall and you know the dog got out it's really hard then to practice those skills right and so it becomes a good um gauge or the, the your family becomes a good witness for you mm. to move forward with mm-hmm. that
0: well i was thinking even the way that we are created biologically you know you said moms are are looking at the emotional atmosphere of the home and we're looking at the relationships so many times men are problem solvers right mm-hmm. so if i'm saying i have this relational issue and i'm seeing this with the child and i and my husband's like okay that's a problem. I'm going to fix it. And, Mm -hmm. and the skills that he has to fix problems may not be the same skills that have that, that, you know, like you as a therapist, you have a good toolbox with Mm -hmm. maybe all of those and, and probably a little more tried and true than us just like, Well, what can we come up with over here? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll take a run at it this way and hope it works. And then you find out, you know, six months, a year later, we just made tracks to make something happen this way. And our solution wasn't so great. Mm -hmm. And now we have to go back and start back where we were at the beginning of that time. Right. And fix the way that we kind of messed it up because we do not know what we do not know if we do not know it a hundred percent that should
1: be (laughs) the theme absolutely and i think that therapists can just be a really great um middle objective third influence there right to say okay well what what about this and i do think that you know husbands are fantastic at their issues of problem solving but problem solving comes from the mind often and if you don't know a thing like you said if you don't know it it's not going to show up as a problem as a solution and so it's learning to have and embrace the talents of everyone in your home in a specific Mm. way Mm -hmm. and work through any resistances or pains like we talked about those traumas and those unworthinesses right that live in um that live in all of us, every single one of us has them. Oftentimes our families are the places where those show up and we see them the most, right? The things that we're annoyed or aggravated with in another person are things that we've learned to ignore or repress about ourselves Mm. or that we feel shame or guilt about ourselves. And then we unconsciously put that onto our children and then they feel shame and guilt about those things. And it's this nasty cycle and then everyone's mad and upset, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if we work at it and we're saying like, okay, I'm going to work on this. And I love it when couples... Specifically, parents come to me and want to work through these things together because then, you know, if he's working on his things and she's working on her things, and we're allowing ourselves to kind of progress individually in the course of a marriage together, then it just strengthens it in this way that is really phenomenal. It's really phenomenal because, like I said, we attract people that are like us or the opposite of us. Mm-hmm. Those are the other mm-hmm. sides of that. Mm-hmm. In marriage, often it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we have that and both of those people feel complete and whole, then we honestly have this new breadth of solutions and tools and things to use with our children, with our grandchildren, with our siblings and our aunts and uncles and all of those things. It's a more powerful combo mm-hmm. than,
0: than just one person can be on their own. I think this is a good Place to point back to the other conversation we had and we recorded mm-hmm. about motivating our children, mm-hmm. because that also is within the home. How do we navigate all of these things? Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, um, and, and if we understand that, um, we will be better equipped mm-hmm. in our homes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know,
1: the marriage is is like the most sacred. It's the most sacred partnership that we can have on this side of heaven. And so it's also the hardest one. <laughs> I think. So, and that's beautiful because it shows us all the things yeah, that my, are, are, we're struggling with. Yeah. And like you said, you can be okay for five to six hours at a job or with your friends. But yeah. when you're living with someone day in and day out for 20 years and you're raising children together, the children and your husband or your wife can begin to show you these things that are, that are really like, Red flags for you, mm. right? And and that is edifying and uplifting for not only you, but for everyone to come from mm. you. And it's just, it's just such a beautiful gift.
0: Again, my little visuals here. I, I, I imagine sitting on my leg and you know, when your leg, you, you sit there and you sit there long enough and it starts to go numb. Mm-hmm. And if you've been married 20, 30 years, sometimes there's areas in your relationship that has started to go numb. Mm-hmm. And then I imagine going to a counseling therapy starts to bring it back to life. It starts to prickle. And it's a little you know painful. That, yeah, mm-hmm. it feels, and it's just this tingly, painful, prickly thing. And it maybe isn't super comfortable, but once, you know, you wake it up a little bit, it, it you're back, you're functioning well, right? Absolutely. Because nobody wants to function with not all of
1: your body parts. Right. Right. And right. I think that's so true. So often because of our own pain and that we don't have the problem solving skills, you know, to resolve it or whatever the thing is. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we just shut it off.
0: Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. just
1: shut it off and we pretend like it's not there. And then you're living with part of a heart. Right. right. And that's not a great way to live. We need our full heart. We need the full breath of who we were created to be. And yeah, yeah, when those things come back online, it's painful.
0: Right. We but pain- only for a moment. Right. But we kind of think in the moment it would be better to stay numb mm. than to go through that awakening. And and there's life on the other side of that waking up. That's I think that is a very
1: true statement. And, and I honor every single person who walks through the doors or takes a course or reads a book um, or even just asks the Lord to come wake up part of them that's sleeping because it it's a courageous thing. Just mm-hmm. say, I am not fully who you meant for me to be. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's more to this life. Mm-hmm. And and I expect that. And I am praying for that, Lord. It's a courageous thing. It is scary and it is hard. And anyone who tells you it's not it's never walked through it. But mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's so worth it because life is good mm-hmm. and it's joyous and it's abundant. And obstacles are good because they make it more
0: joyous and more abundant on the other side of it. Isn't it interesting that we know that jesus came to bring life and life more abundant yet we we are so content to settle for a mediocre life Mm -hmm. we're so content to live in a numb state Mm -hmm. and and bad relationships quite honestly right absolutely but god is he's prepared us and he's given us the ability for so much more absolutely
1: it it's the saddest thing it's the saddest thing to me and and it's one of the things that it's part of what I feel like my mission is here on earth is to break those barriers down that let us say that you need to be chained. You need to be mm-hmm. chained to the old ways that you saw things. You need to be chained to a series of bad relationships. You need to be chained to a life less than what God has called you for and open up the door to true freedom. You know, God says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he means it. And mm-hmm. he doesn't mean it as a trick. <laughs> like it yeah. really is light. It's not heavy. It doesn't weigh you down. It's not suffering. It's not, we're not meant to suffer every single day of our lives. We're not meant mm. to struggle constantly. And I think that the more that we can hear that and and start to believe that, that he really did mean for us to have rest mm. and to take it easy, right? The yeah. more that we can believe that and the more that we can institute that into every aspect of our lives, the healthier we become, the healthier people around us become. And that's the way the world starts to change, mm. is when we all start to believe what Jesus said was the truth, mm-hmm. right? And not and not something other than that. I don't know. I think sometimes we believe that we're good. It's okay. I should just be miserable, right? That that's mm. and
0: That's not what he called us to. Mm. You might
1: be miserable for a moment. That's that waking up pain. Yeah. But
0: it's not supposed to stay that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I love listening to testimonies and I think it's the transformation that I love. Mm. I love hearing where we once were, what the Lord did, and where we are now. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're talking about this, right? You know, somebody might wonder how, how in the world did we choose this (laughs) conversation? And it's just like, if we understand that the Lord has good things for us, and we can live a life that's transformed by him, that I mean, it's just such an encouragement. Mm -hmm. And when we know listening to different people's testimonies, when we've heard what he has done in their lives, we can trust that he can do that in our own too. And that is, that's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't want to cut us short, but I feel like we've just had a really full conversation and I know we both talk really fast too. So I think there's a lot of information just jammed into this. I do want people to be able to find you and, I'm trying to even remember all the things you told me. We will link in the show notes all the info. Um, But where can people find you and what can they find there?
1: Yeah, you can find me at wildlycurative.com. You can book a session there. You can book a session with one of the other therapists that work in this practice that have been trained by me and have the same ideologies. and modalities that I do. Uh, so that's a great option. There are also some courses there that you might want to look into. If you want to start therapy and you're not sure what to do with that or where to begin or what your issue is, there's a course that I created called before you begin that's on there. If you're interested in like working through some stuff, um, with yourself, but, but you're not ready to come in and have a session yet, there's a course called into me, I see. So it's about revealing and unearthing some of those core unworthiness wounds so that we can rewrite them, see them a little bit clearer and move forward. And there's actually a course for couples called Into We, I See. So that's so that both people can work together and sort of hold accountability for each other. Mm -hmm. And it's different than traditional couples therapy where we're not pointing fingers and saying you need to you know, be nicer to me and you need to rub my back more. It's, it's not about that. It's about both of us growing in depth in ourselves so that we can grow more fully in breadth with each other. So those things are all linked on the website. You'll find them there. You can also find me on Instagram. I spent a lot of time there, uh, just like sharing things that the Lord reveals to me through nature and the links that I see there. And I like to drop a weekly newsletter out that that's correlated with that so that you can see sort of what's happening in the practice, what are some things that you might be able to reach out for, um, and also like just some inspiration so you can have some practical tips to move through your week. I hope everyone um, has access to the hope, freedom, and healing that therapy can bring,
0: and I want to deliver that in the most accessible way possible. So you're in Tennessee, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so but everybody doesn't have to come to Tennessee. So your resources are a stepping off point mm-hmm. and then you can connect like telemedicine type. Absolutely. But if they even want to just take the courses and then pursue something locally, that's okay too, right? Oh, that would be great. You know time that we can
1: help step someone into something that's more beneficial for them, that's what I want to do absolutely
0: yeah yeah. well thank you so much for your time this has been really fun and uh i can't wait to just go back and edit it and then send it out because i know this will be an encouragement and so elisa would you just close us out in a word of prayer yes
1: father we thank you for this time together today god we know that you are a wonderful counselor, mighty physician, healer of all, Lord, and we're so grateful that you have endowed those of us walking on this earth with your presence so that we can pour into other people so that the new earth that you have built for us can come and we can live abundantly together in joy and in harmony, God. I pray that all people who, whose ears are hearing this may be touched with the presence and the power of your authority in your kingdom, God. I hope that all families can find peace and that you would highlight any issues that need your healing and your resolve. Lord, we are so grateful for every moment that you give us on this earth to explore and grow and adventure. Your ways are true and we thank
0: you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. And while you're over on Instagram, make sure you follow Tending Fields. And I've also got a Facebook Moms Group, and that's Tending Fields Moms Group. So I hope to see you there, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcasttendingfields.net. At because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.